Well, good morning. Good morning. Why don't you go ahead? Let's just jump right in. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, if you uh, don't have your Bibles with you this morning, don't worry. We'll put it on the screens uh, so that you can kind of follow along. If you're watching live at home, uh, you can kind of listen to what I'm saying, and I'll be able to communicate the scripture that's being shared in the message. Um, but as you're turning there, it's hard to believe that it is August the 2nd. August is already here, and people are already beginning to think about the fall. I know NFL training camp has begun. I know that uh, if you go to Target, if you go to Walmart, back to school is in full swing. I know our college students are thinking about what to take back with them to, uh, to their college campuses. And you're probably thinking, whoa, just slow down. September's still a month away. Don't worry about it. But at least you'll start thinking about, thinking about it, maybe briefly, but you'll start thinking about the fall. But I wanted to uh, just encourage you, uh, as we shift into the fall, we've been working extremely hard as a, as a, just as a church, really, to get ready. And I, I pray that you will give some consideration and thought into what the fall is going to look like in terms of Clover Hill's ability to invest in your spiritual growth. The two big areas that we talk about are small groups and and also on these dream teams, that just the, the experience that's here. And I'll tell you, I, I haven't been, I've only been in the 11 o'clock service now for about the last 10 minutes. And just even walking in the building, you can tangibly sense the power and the presence of an almighty God that's at work in us. And that's something that's a testament to the church. It's good, yeah. It's, it's something about the church coming together. And so um, one of the events that I wanted to highlight before I jump into the message is the Spark 5K on September the 19th. It's a Saturday morning. We're going to be having the Spark 5K run, walk, jog, whatever you want to call it. And uh, what we're doing is we're partnering. Clover Hill is partnering with the Forgotten Initiative. And I do know this, is that the local church is the hope for this world. Jesus Christ is the hope for this world. He is the head of his, of his church, and we are his body. And I believe that the scripture says that we are not to neglect and forget about those that have been pushed to the side, those that have been neglected, those that have been forgotten. And the Forgotten Initiative is all about vulnerable families, but also those that are in the foster care community. And so we're using this event to garner attention for uh, for this, particular, for this particular cause. I believe that God is using Clover Hill in a powerful way. So at the end of this morning's service, there is a table that's in the back. If you're a business owner and you feel that God's leading you to sponsor the event in some way, shape, or form, if you want to help be a part of the dream team that's going to be serving on that particular day, I know that uh, our kids are going to be run, running a one-miler. If you're trying to figure out what does a 5K even look like, if you can leave your house and walk 30 minutes in one direction, turn around and come back home, Chances are you've walked a 5K. We also have a 0K for those of you that have no intention whatsoever of running this race. When the starting guns go off, you'll go from the starting line directly to the party and wait for everyone else that's, that's running the race. And so Dave Haas is going to do it. And so whatever it is that you, I hope that you will choose to be a part of this particular event. And so, again, in the spirit of running, I wanted to just point ourselves directly to the scripture. And then we'll go from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 starting at verse 24, and I'm reading out of the message trans translations just to change it up on you just a little bit this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. You've all been to the stadium, and you've seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. Let's pray. 
Lord, I just want to thank you once again for the incredible privilege and honor to be able to share your word. Lord, I believe that your word goes out and it does not re return void. And Lord, I pray over every single person that's under the sound of my voice right now that their hearts would be open, that their ears would be open. And God, you desire to accomplish something this morning. I pray that the anointing would go forth from this stage, from this microphone, from my heart. And God, that it would hit the mark and that you do what only you can do. And we'll give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wanted to confess something to you today as a pastor, as a leader, as a, as a, as a husband, as a father, as just a, a man. Um, I'm, I'm in a crisis mode. I have been in crisis mode for a good majority of 2015, and I want to be transparent, transparent with you. As I confess things, the Bible says if we confess that uh, he is, he's, he's able to heal us, and, and as we do that, I believe that it strengthens us. And so this morning, I've struggled with it for most of this year. Next year, I will be turning 40 years old, and I, you guys got scared for a minute, didn't you? <laughs> Next year, I'll be turning 40 years old. And I think I've entered the beginning stages of a midlife crisis. And so I don't know what a midlife crisis looks like, but I'm, I, it, it's, it's extremely, I'm getting used to this or whatever. And so I can't, I don't, I don't pay attention to details anymore. Uh, if you have a conversation with me, I'm probably listening for the first 20 seconds. After that, I'm thinking about lunch or dinner or breakfast or the next day or something else. My mind is gone. I go to bed super early. I wake up at oh dark 30. I go to the mall now and I'll send my wife and kids off and I'll just enjoy people watching and I'll probably catch a nap in the process. And so I'm in this, I think what it is, the beginning of stages of a midlife crisis, I don't know. But I also know that as I've gotten older, I've changed up the activities that I've involved myself in. So as a teenager, as a 20-something, as a 30-something, I, I did all kinds of sports and activities. I just, it's just something that I love to do. But as I've watched people that are older than I am, either in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, there's two activities that I've seen them do. They play golf and they run. They play golf and they run. And so I've taken up running over these years only because I can't do the things that I used to do. And so I know that um, in, 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 in my teenage years, most of you know my story that um, I struggled with uh, a bout of depression. I became uh, suicidal as a teenager. I came within moments of taking my own life. But God in his goodness and his grace and his compassion towards me and his unsustaining love and relentless pursuit of me and that all that I've just described is the exact same thing for you. He picked me up out of the miry clay and he put my feet on a rock and he said, Andrew, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And I'm here today, 20-something years later, acknowledging the fact that God is still in control, God is still able, and God's able to do some incredible things. When I, when I went through that bout of depression, and I'll be honest with you, I am going to be transparent, is the biggest struggle in my life is with my thought life. It's, it's how the enemy puts thoughts and plants seeds and, of um, unbelief and uh, just discouragement or whatever it might be. It's my thought life that the enemy attacked me with. And as I've begun running, and the more and more that I learn about running physically, is that it's, it's actually, there's a lot of mental preparedness that has to happen. And so I've actually, in the races that I've run, what I've done is I've connected, I've placed my family strategically along certain places in the race. They're not spread out, they're all together, so don't think that my three-year-old's somewhere randomly in a race. But um, my, uh, let me focus. Um, so, so throughout the race, there are times where it, it's known. It doesn't matter what distance. You're just kind of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I've got this much further to go. It's at those particular points that I'll position my family together. All of them are together. 
and I'll, they'll meet me at the halfway point. They'll meet me at a, uh, in the marathons, they'll meet me at the 20 mile mark because that's where you mentally hit the wall. My coaches will meet me at the 25 mile mark and then my family along with thousands of other people will meet me at the finish line. But it's just something, there's something about connecting with my family and they're like an oasis, they're, they're, they're refreshing to me, they re-energize me. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to gently and lovingly push you towards your potential. I want to push you towards your potential in Jesus Christ. I know that you're not where you once were, but I do know that God wants you in, a, in an incredible plan, an incredible purpose. And what I want to do is gently push you out of your comfort zone, out of your comfort zone and towards your potential. There are times, uh, there, there's time that I want to take this morning, at the end of this morning's service, to, to pray for you. To, uh, to just respond to this particular message. There's going to be three things that I give to you this morning. All three of these things, they have got to be in motion in order for us to, uh, to, to accomplish what it is that God has called us to do. And so three things that I'm going to give you. There's one thing that I want you to know this morning. And if you're taking notes, here it is. Here's the big idea. Is I want you to run to win. I want you to run to win. When you look at the Bible and I look at the heroes that you have, I don't know if there's a man of God or if there's a woman of God. Maybe there's a, a particular area of the Bible where, where you look at what God accomplished through certain people and you're like amazed and they've actually become your uh, biblical heroes. Paul is one of those heroes to me. Paul was one of those people. He was educated. He was highly, he had incredible position. He had influence. He had everything that you could possibly uh, want as an individual. He was attaining stuff in this life, but yet his heart was cold and he was bent on annihilating the church of Jesus Christ. He was bent on murdering and killing and destroying the church. He was bent on making sure that the gospel message would not advance. That was Paul. But in a blink of an eye, literally, God changed. He touched Paul and he transforms him and he takes him from where he once was to where God wanted him to be. And he becomes this church planter. He becomes a person that God uses to write a good majority of the New Testament, he becomes somebody that I look to and I'm like, man, if God can use somebody like that who's way worse than, uh, I, I'm, I'm not murdering people, but he, way worse, way worse, and turn him around and use him for the glory of God, then there's hope for a fool like me that God can use me to accomplish something great. As a believer, I want you to run to win. That win it has nothing to do with this world that we're living in. It has nothing to do with the accomplishments of this world. That win is eternal life in heaven with Christ Jesus. The Bible says this, that you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You, as a believer, you're a VIP. You're an incredibly important person. Your family is crucial to the cause of Jesus Christ, and you are part of this inner circle. So like I said, there's three things that I want you to, know, uh, to do this morning. These three things have got to be in motion. The first thing is this, is run to God. Run to God. In the good times and the bad, run to God. Right now, when you just take a step back and you're staring at me right now, you're staring at your notes, you're staring at the screens, right now, in your current state of affairs and all that's going on in your life, does your posture reflect one that is running to God? There are people here that can say, and you're honestly saying this, that things are good. When times are good, when you're on the mountaintop, 
when all is well, when, on, when you're on the up and up, when you're on cloud nine and the dominoes are falling into place, when you're hitting home runs, closing deals, and moving up the corporate ladder, and the sun is shining bright, run to God. As the blessings flow over your life, run to God. Acknowledge the hand of the Lord, the blessings that he has released over you, and he will direct your path. Be careful to give credit to where credit is due. And I'll be honest with you, as I worked in corporate America, as, as I deal with family life, as I deal with friends, I've hit the pause button at times, and you might be here this morning, and you know that, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, but you know that you've got to run to God, but there's a situation and a circumstance over here where you're saying, God, give me one minute, let me just deal with this one situation in my house. Let me just deal with this episode with my kids. Let me just handle this marital issue. Let me just handle this unemployment situation. Let me just handle this sickness. It's, it, I'll be with you in just a moment. And there are times where we do these things. Listen to what Proverbs 18 says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Who are the righteous? We are the righteousness of Christ. Not because of you, but because for our sake, he made him who to be sin. He, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, as a student of the truth, we are the righteousness of Christ. So who runs to God? We run to God. And so you might be sitting here today and say, okay, fine, I get it. You're saying I run to God. But if I run to God, if I surrender to him, if I submit to him, I'm being vulnerable. I'm showing a kink in my armor. I'm showing a sign of weakness. I'm a man. I'm a woman. I'm independent. I've got this. That stuff is not for me. I don't run to anyone or to anything. And again, with no one else asking you right now, and you just introspectively thinking about this question, how is that working out for you? The Bible says in Psalms 20, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We're not in a place where we're riding horses and, and sitting in chariots anymore. We put our confidence in our paychecks, in our positions. We put so much confidence in our retirement packages, in our popularity, in our Facebook posts, in our Periscope uh, posts as well. With all the endorsements and all the likes, we put our trust in the government, in the judicial system. Some trust in those things. But we, as the body of Christ, we trust in the name of our God. Maybe I'm an ignorant fool, but maybe in my midlife crisis moment, I've come to a place where if the word of God says it, he will do it. There, there were people in the 9 o'clock service. There were people in the 10 o'clock service. There are people in the 11 o'clock service right now. You're here today because a miracle has transpired over your life. God has touched you. God has healed you. God has given you another chance. And because of his faithfulness, I believe that your best days are still ahead of you. God wants to celebrate over you. God wants to sing over you. God wants to embrace you. God wants to hold you in his everlasting arms. First Peter said, cast all of your anxieties on him. Cast all your fears on him. Cast all your sickness on him. Cast all of it. Cast your family issues on him. Cast all that drama on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. 
friend, run to God. He can handle it in the good times and the bad. Okay, so you're, Pastor Andrew, you're telling me run to God. So what does that look like? This is what it boils down to. When we run to God, it's wrapped up in worship and in prayer. It's wrapped up in worship and in prayer. Every single time we come on a Sunday morning, I still look back in the years that I've been at Cloverhill, there's not a time where the presence of the Lord did not show up. And I don't know who's been here the longest, but God in His faithfulness, He has come and He has manifested His presence in our midst. Why? Because we're a church that is willing to put God at the, at the, at the focal point and allow Him to be the centerpiece of what it is that we do. And so if you're taking notes today, as I say, run to God and worship in prayer those vehicles, this is how you do it. When you came in this morning, don't nod your head, don't, don't nudge somebody, don't do anything that'll make it make you answer this question, but did you have an episode with somebody on your way into church this morning? Last week, I almost sent my kids to be with Jesus face to face because I had to bring them to church. I don't bring them to church because I know that there's going to be an episode. There's going to be Pop-Tarts on the floor. There's going to be bubblegum uh, plastered into the back seat. There's going to be issues. And so you have come in this morning and you stepped out of your vehicle and you know that you and your spouse or you and someone else in your vehicle, you just had a falling out. And you walk through the doors and you, all you see is, hey, welcome to Clover Hill. We're so glad you're here. And all you want to do is give them a hug and give them an embrace, give them an embrace and just remind them once again. But I get that. You step into the church, worship and prayer. There is a starting point when it happens. And so write this down. Acknowledge God for who he is. Acknowledge God for who he is and thank God for what he's done. That is your starting point in prayer and in worship. Acknowledge God for who he is and thank him for what he has done. God, I thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the first and the last. You're the beginning and the end. I thank you that you're the creator of all things, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, that you are my provider, you are my sustainer. I acknowledge God for who he is. In the midst of you being distracted with all that's going on in your life, just step into the worship moment, whether it's in your devotions or if it's in a service, and just begin to, begin to acknowledge him for who he is. I'm telling you, it is powerful. And then when it comes to prayer, same thing. Thank him for what he has done. God, you gave me the strength to wake up this morning. You gave me the strength to roll out of bed. My eyes can see. My ears can hear. I have a voice to speak out. I have strength in my bones, in my body, in my muscles. God, you have a purpose and a plan. And I thank you that my best days are still ahead of you. I thank you that in you I live and move and have my very being. I thank you that as I trust in you, that you will give me the desires of my heart. I thank you. And so you thank God for what he has done. Those two things in worship and in prayer, those are your starting points. No longer then do you become the focal point of worship and no longer do you become the focal point of prayer, but Jesus now takes center stage and over your life as you run to God, I dare you, watch what he is able to do in and through your life. Somebody acknowledge that God has spoken to you just now. Isaiah chapter 55 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. When you're at work about to go into that meeting that you've prepared so hard for, call on, call on the name of the Lord. Run to God. When you're about to have a, uh, a disciplinary moment with one of your children, call on to God. Run to him. When you're, ha when you're dealing with the fallout of something, run to God. Acknowledge him for who he is and what he has done. That's the first thing. Run to God. The second thing is this, is run from evil. Run from evil. 
Remember, there's three things that I'm giving you this morning. Three things. All three of these things have got to be in motion. Any combination of those things, these three things, if you do one or two out of the three, it'll probably put you in the predicament that you're in right now. All three of these things have got to be in motion. James chapter 4 verse 7 says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I want the devil out of my home. I want the devil out of my finances. I want the devil out of my employment situation. I want the devil out of my health. I want the devil out of my kids. I want the devil out of my marriage. I want the devil to flee. In order for the devil to flee, you have got to resist the devil. There is a resistance that needs to take place. In order for us to resist the devil, we've got to submit to God first. Run to God. Run from evil. Does that make sense this morning? Submit to God. Resistance to the enemy is only successful once we've submitted to God. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. This is us surrendering and submitting towards God. Submission then looks like this. God, I give you my heart. God, I give you my mind. I give you my soul. I give you my fears. I give you my anxieties. God, I give you my addictions. I give you my sins. I give you my finances. I give you my body. I give you my worship. I give you my marriage. I give you my kids. God, I give you my life. God, I give you my allegiance. I give you my attention. God, I give you my devotion. God, I give you my dreams, my hopes, and my aspirations. I give you my education, my accolades, and all of my accomplishments. God, it is in your hands. It is up to you. It's in your ability. It is in your jurisdiction. Submit yourselves to God, then resist the enemy. Listen, there has got to be a fight that you are willing to put up with when the enemy comes in like a flood. When the enemy rolls down your street before he even gets to your door, before he even rings the bell, I pray that you would acknowledge that there is an attack that's been mounting for years on your life. And that attack will not let up. But I pray that as we submit to God, we will resist the devil. You know what's going to happen? He's going to flee from you. There is no choice. And Jesus Christ gave the best example. In his greatest ministry moment, or one of them, he gets to a place where he is baptized by John the Baptist. He goes under the water, and he comes up out of the water, and Jesus is basically on point and God looks down from heaven with a voice he says this is my beloved son with whom I am pleased Jesus is in the greatest moment of his life full of the Holy Spirit nothing can go wrong he's led by the Holy Spirit out into the desert for 40 days of no eating and guess what the enemy shows up he begins to entice him he begins to draw him in he attempts to he attempts to every single time uh, the enemy tried to uh, come at Jesus what was his response? He came, he was able to resist the enemy. He was able to run from evil with the use of the scripture. He used the Bible. He used the scripture. He used the gospel. He used the word of God every single time to resist the enemy and run from evil. And what happened was that, that evil, he had, he had no choice. The enemy might be able to contend with you, but the enemy cannot contend with the word of God that is within you. We have got to be a people that allow the word of God to get within us. And I know this, is that from the depths of our heart, 
That's what our mouth's going to speak. If you're full of bitterness in your heart, bitterness is going to come out. If you're full of jealousy or envy or anger or whatever it might be, whatever is within you is going to come out. So if we pack the Word of God within us, and I encourage you to do it. If you're at the gym, listen to the Bible. If you're at home, listen to the Bible. If you're, if you're in a spot where you can just open up the Word of God, read it, learn it, live it, love it. And I believe that some powerful things are going to take place. Second Timothy said this. I'm going to take a minute and just breathe. <laughs> Second Timothy said this. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Pursue righteousness. Pursue God. Run to God. There are two kingdoms that are at war for your very being. The enemy is relentlessly pursuing you, and God is relentlessly pursuing you. And you will belong to one of those two kingdoms. Run to God. Run from evil. Some of you are here today. Remember I said all three have got to be in motion. You're attempting to run to God, but in the process of running to God, you're also running from evil. You have one foot in and one foot out. Any, anytime the enemy shows up at the door, you open up the door and you sit down with the enemy. I know that there are things that the enemy has strategically placed over your life. And you know what those things are. But I, in the time that I've lived on this planet, I have seen Jesus, the name of Jesus, deliver people and set people free from the very things that you feel gripped to this morning. And I believe that he's able. That's right. Give him a hand if, he, if you actually have been delivered from something. You have got to put up a fight. You have got to put up a fight. But it comes first through our submission to God. It comes first through our submission to God. This morning, I want to give you one last thing. Run to God. Run from evil. And the last thing I want to give you this morning is to run in packs. Run in packs. I've learned a whole lot about the New Testament church. I've watched, not watched, I've read, and I've understood their successes. Acts 2 said this, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. They spent regular time together. Proverbs 27 says, you, see steel, you use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. In this race that Paul calls us to run, don't grow weary. Don't grow tired. And you might be there be like, I get it. But when we run in packs, something happens. When we run together, something happens. I started off this message this morning with us thinking about the fall. I pray that you would really reflect on the level of commitment that you have with other believers in Christ. People within this church, people that are in other places, other countries, I don't know. But I pray that you would connect with them. And I wanted to share this one last story. Is This, this is about me. It's, it's a true story, but... Um, for the last two or three weeks, I've really had some excruciating pain in my lower back. It's either my spine or um, my, my lower muscular area or whatever. It's to the point where I'm training for a marathon in the fall. And if I don't do, put the training in now, I won't be able to run that race. Friday night, I went to bed. I texted people. I called people. I just asked them to pray for me. 
running in packs. In my time of need, in my moment of need, I reached out to people and I said, pray for me. I got texts back and calls back, how are you feeling during Friday? And I said, you know what, I still feel the same pain. So I went to bed and I told my wife, I said, hey, um, I'm not going to run in the morning, I can't. I'm just in too much pain. Um, I'm just going to leave it as is. And so I went to bed, woke up in the morning, the pain was gone. People were praying for me in their pursuit of God, in their, in their relentless uh, fight against the enemy. I, 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 I was strengthened or whatever. And so I went down to run with the training team that I normally train with. They had already left. I was late. They had already left. And so I looked at another group that was about to get set up running, but these guys were legit. Like they had, you know, the expensive watches and they had like the full running gear. And I'm like ghetto fabulous in my running stuff. So I, I stepped into that group or whatever, and I knew their, their route and I was going to run with them. And uh, I was intimidated big time. And I knew like these guys are going to start and I'm going to be at the back of the pack. And so they started and sure enough, I'm at the back of the pack. And so I get to the 12-mile mark. We were running 14 miles. Remember, on Friday, I'm like, I can't run. 14-mile run. 12 miles in, I stop. I just start walking because I was just exhausted and tired. I hadn't run for weeks. And I look ahead, and I see about three or four other people also start walking. And so I kind of muster up. Don't grow weary. I started mustering up some strength, and I began to catch these guys at the back of the pack. And when I caught them, I realized that it was the coach and a few other people that others that had saw me start to walk, they had acknowledged that, hey, I think something happened to him. These guys waited for me. And we ran together towards the end. Some of you have stepped into the room like this. And just like I stepped into that group, you were in, you're intimidated by being here this morning. You, you, you've stepped into this place and you see other people worshiping God and running after God. You see people praying and seeking the Lord. And in that intimidation, you kind of wonder, you know, this is not for me. I can't do that or whatever. I'm just saying, just like that coach, let's run this race together. Let's fight this fight together. I don't care where you're at. All I know is that God's got a plan for you, and he's got a plan for me, and I'm willing to run this race alongside you if you're willing to do so. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I wanted to give you the opportunity to respond and we have all kinds of people that are in Clover Hill, in this family. They have been through the things that you're wrestling with. And they've come out on the other side. And they believe with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength that your marriage can be saved. That your health can be whole. That your struggle and your addiction you can be set free. They believe that. And that, that's all we want to do is connect you this morning. But I wanted to take time just to pray for you. I want to end where, where I started this morning with Paul in 1 Corinthians. Run to win. Run to win. Remember that prize in heaven? Run to win. All athletes train hard. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything that I've got. This morning, when I say run to God, maybe you're in a place of just being plateaued. Maybe you've slowed up. Maybe you're on a downward spin. Maybe in your attempt to run from evil, it shows up and it's just got you in the spin cycle. And you just can't break free from it. 
maybe you've isolated yourself, and when I say run in packs, you've never done so. Maybe you've been hurt by the church, and you know what? That stinks. That stinks. But I know this, is that I want you to live a victorious life. I would love the opportunity to pray for, you, pray for you. You could actually stay in your seats. You can confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can be a believer and re renew your relationship with Jesus Christ. But there's something about it when we come together and we pray together. And I'm going to give Pastor Trevor the opportunity just to lead us in a chorus. And you're here this morning. You want to run to God. You want to run from evil. You want to run in packs. And you just want me to just pray with you. Would you step out as he begins to sing? Would you step out from where you're standing? I know we've done it once for prayer, for healing. But let's do it in response to the message this morning, can we?